This episode is for all the leaders, born to be leaders, fell into leadership people out there. This is episode number 105 of the Social Hub podcast, and you can find all the links to anything I reference in this episode at all the W's, the socialhubau.com forward slash 105. Hey there, I'm Stacey Marie, your host of this podcast and a business coach helping women in business stand out of the crowd online through social media, online courses, digital products, and podcasting. On this pod, we will chat about business, marketing, mindset, money, and all that's in between so that you can grow your business your way because you are magic and everything you need is right inside you. I acknowledge the Nandawal and Minyungbuk people of the Bunjalung Nation on which land this podcast is produced. I thank them for the custodial role they undertake now in times past and for our future. And I extend my respect to all the people on the lands with which you are listening from also. Are you a leader? Would you call yourself that? Maybe you're a coach, a mentor, you have a podcast, a profile or community, um, or you manage a team of people and you find yourself in a leadership role. The thing with business these days is that a lot of us find ourselves in the role of leader without necessarily ever setting out to be a leader. Sure, some people are born to be leaders. I would say I'm definitely one of those people. It's in my blood. It's part of my fabric. It's part of my internal DNA, right? Like I fell into a a leadership role in my corporate life at just before age 25, I've always been in leadership. I always find myself in leadership positions in all aspects of my life, in all groups of people that I find myself in. But not a lot of us are born to be leaders or it's not something that comes naturally to us. I would say a lot of people in business these days are fell into leaders who turn around and then go, oh, okay, how do I actually lead my clients, my people, my staff more effectively? Because there's a huge difference between managing people and leading people. Leaders are next-level humans who are able to not just have charisma and be able to talk well. Leaders need skills to help move people from where they are to where they want to be or need to be. So that is what this episode is about, skills for great leadership. And I've got an amazing guest, Lisa Malloy. Lisa is a registered master's qualified workplace psychologist, facilitator, and consultant with over 17 years experience in leadership development. She delivers a range of programs aimed at helping leaders and their teams to become more skilled, self-aware, and human in the way they navigate important workplace conversations with a focus on building trust, clarity, connection, and psychological safety. Try and say that when you stumble over your words. (laughs) Um, So Lisa is also a mum of two primary school age children in grade three and grade four. So she, you know, she is well aware of the constant juggle. So this was really just the best conversation. We really pull apart leadership um, and leadership skills. We don't just talk about here's the skill you need. We talk a lot about psychology behind it. And honestly, I just, I could have talked to Lisa about this all day. It was just, it was just the most potent and incredible chat. So I'm not going to rave about it anymore. I'm just going to hand on over, tune on in, 
pop in your headphones, grab a cuppa, grab a cocktail, tell the kids to jump on their iPads so that you can have five minutes to your freaking self, girlfriend, and um, enjoy. All right, welcome, Lisa, to today's episode of the podcast. Um, We're going to be delving into the topic of leadership, which is a really cool topic to talk about. It's definitely one of my highest values and I know that my audience, um, as I said in the intro, um, a lot of them are leading people, whether it's leading people through like coaching and mentoring or it's leading people through they're starting to build a team. And some of these skills don't necessarily come naturally to people, particularly in business. You kind of start a business and then go, oh, I didn't realize that this would become part of, you know, the job that I've taken on as part of part as part of growing my business. Um, so it's going to be a really great conversation. So before we get stuck in, I'd really love you to share a bit about yourself um, and what you do. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, so I'm a workplace psychologist or a business psychologist. So I have all the sort of typical psychology training, but then apply it in corporate environments pretty much. That's a good way to sum it up. Um, what else can I say? I just love what I do, actually. I think I had a very early fascination with behaviour and leadership in work environments because of my own early work experiences where I had some interesting leaders, <laughs> we could say, yeah, yeah. which as I, when I look back further down the track, I can see that shaped a lot of my interest in what I kind of dig into. Um, so, yeah, look, I've spent a lot of time around 17 years now, got the grey hairs to prove it. Uh, working with organisations around all sorts of stuff to do with behaviour at work, but very much with a leadership focus. And in the last few years, have kind of honed in on what I would say is my sweet spot now, which is probably what some will talk about today, pieces around, you know, particular skills that I guess I've seen come up time and time again across that time. So, so yeah, do a lot of coaching, consulting, facilitation, training, development, that kind of thing. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, that's the thing is that, you know, when we're talking about skills for good leadership, like I said, a lot of my audience, they're leaders in their fields in terms Mm. of like expertise. And this is what happens with business owners, right? We start a business because usually we're an expert at something and we want to leverage off that to, you know, earn an income for ourselves. Or Mm -hmm. we've seen a gap in the market that either we needed Mm -hmm. or we've noticed as such. And then, so you either formulate a product or a service or something like that to meet that need. Um, And a lot of, people listening, they're coaches and mentors or they're starting to build a team um, and they're Mm. starting to grow, but they didn't necessarily get into business to be a leader or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was never really their intention to, you know, be a, have a leadership role. And a lot of the times when you think about leadership, people think of a manager, like in Mm. my previous work life, I was a bank manager for a major bank um, in those sort of leadership roles, which is, there's a big difference between a manager and a leader mm-hmm. of people. Like they have very different skills. Um, so what I kind of love you to expand on first would be for, for those people listening and going, yes, I have kind of fallen into this role of leadership, but I didn't really think about what skills plan I would it. need <laughs> or plan it out. Yeah, definitely for sure. What are some of the gaps that people might see in their relationships? It might be with clients or teams that might highlight that this is something that they need to to focus on in, on honing in on the leadership skills. And I think mm. people will probably identify with that a lot initially. 
Yeah. Yeah. The first thing I'd actually say is that I think it's pretty common for people to accidentally end up in leadership, even in corporate settings, to be honest, because a lot of the clients I work with, for example, work in highly technical roles or industries. So they might be hired in as an expert, you know, someone who knows things and can solve problems and has a specific skill set. And then suddenly they find themselves in a leadership position because that's the natural um, progression within the organisation or it's how they can kind of deliver more outcomes. So it's pretty common, I must say, I think in entrepreneurs as well as internal specialists, if you like, or experts to have that, oh, suddenly I'm a leader. (laughs) What does that mean now? And I know Um, for me that definitely happened with me when I was in corporate is like because I was working in a bank and it was like you either became a specialist in terms mm -hmm. of like a sales specialist, like a lender or a um, financial planner or something like that, or you went down the people leadership path. Mm. And, you know, kind of when it got to that fork in the road, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. So I guess that's just the next step that I take. And, you know, I was already good at the job that I did. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, she's good at that. She's one of the best people in that that role. So that is the next kind of progression. But it was a whole new skill set, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an interesting point to bring up as well, because there's a lot of organisations who I think are only now starting to really think about the technical specialist track, if you like, like how you can be a leader or let's call it a thought leader or almost a technical leader rather than being a people leader. And some places have that distinction and others don't. Um, But, yeah, and I think you've probably almost um, explained in a way one of the big gaps that people struggle with, which is that shift from doing all the doing (laughs) and knowing all the stuff and having all the answers to suddenly having to help others do the doing. So I often have a lot of clients that we chat about that leadership transition, if you like, like from being an individual contributor is the words that a lot of corporate use where you're the person doing the delivering, the end work, to then having to deliver through other people. So I guess some of the common gaps are often things about how you do build others' capability and develop and grow other people or how you provide the clarity and direction to people so that they know what to do and what success looks like and how you give feedback on those sorts of things or how you really understand your people and get the best out of them. That's one that can be quite tricky as well because, of course, you know, there's no two people who are the same. Is there? There's lots of individual differences and Yeah, and I think if I was to share, I guess, what led me down the path of where I spend a lot of my attention now, I kept finding the same gaps would come up again and again whenever I was doing work around leadership assessments. A lot of organisations will kind of do that. Where are people strong? What's missing? Where are the big gaps that we're seeing across our leadership groups? And often the really fundamental stuff like communication, listening, being able to clearly provide direction. So communication, essentially, a lot of it comes back to understanding things when you're interacting with others and being able to share things in a really clear way. It sounds really basic, doesn't it, communication? But yeah. when when you, when I talk about communication, I suppose it's it's giving people clarity and direction, being clear about expectations, giving them feedback, you know, helping them understand how they're tracking, um, communicating in ways that make people feel safe and comfortable, you know, if there's change, like there's a whole lot of stuff, but often it comes back to literally communication, (laughs) the conversations they're having every day and how much they impact people's, you know, every day as well as their longer-term careers. So, sorry, that was a long answer. No, no, no. It's such a big topic, isn't it? It is. Oh, look, it is. And, you know, we can only go so far into it on a podcast episode. But I guess, you know, the thing is that it, like you said, it's that transition from being the doer to being Mm -hmm. the leader. And Mm. um, I, I see this a lot with, Um, business owners, particularly those that are just starting to hire 
like a virtual assistant or some sort Mm -hmm. of PA or something like that to help them is that they get into this habit of, oh, I'll just do it myself. It's just easier if I do it myself. And then, and then when it's like, oh, you know, maybe, maybe the person you've hired doesn't quite understand Mm -hmm. the thing it is that they're meant to be doing. And then it's like, oh, how do I navigate this? Like I didn't kind of expect that I would have to navigate this. And, you know, of course us women, we don't want to we're, you know, we're feelers. We don't want to, mm-hmm. we want to be able to have a good relationship with these people. And then conversely, like when you're mentoring and coaching people, I know I, I still have to catch myself after decades of leadership. Mm-hmm. I still have to catch myself from just being like, you know, okay, well, come on, I'll just do this for you. Or like, no, let's just get this done sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. you, as a leader, that your job is to take them on the journey to self-empowerment, to do it for themselves, mm-hmm. not jump in and save them. <laughs> and solve everything it. and fix everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Which is which comes back to that kind of piece around coaching and around delegating, empowering, like yeah. not doing it all yourself. And, yeah, I think that's a common, like there's a common temptation just to jump in and do it your way. So I think one of the big skills, which is almost like a mindset shift, isn't it, is letting go. Yes. learning to actually let go of things and yeah. to, again, it comes back to, I think, communication, I guess, provide clarity around what good looks like in terms of outcomes so people understand the direction that you're heading to, which sometimes takes a bit of thought because you might have just intuitively done something yourself and yeah. never really thought about that and then be able to empower someone or delegate that over with enough clarity to then let them run and say, well, I guess let go of the idea of it having to be done your way if it's still the yeah. same outcome that you're trying to achieve. And I suppose embedded in that too, isn't it, is understanding different people's strengths and contributions and what they really enjoy and how you can get the best out of them, which is kind of another big bucket, I suppose, around skills in like building capability as well as the coaching, developing the mentoring. Yeah. People feedback. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Giving people feedback is one that people often, especially women, I must say, you know, we often have that caring, supportive style. Well, we're nurturers. (laughs) Like it's our natural inclination to be nurturers. So when we have to give particularly constructive feedback, it can be really overwhelming. Yes. Perhaps take on that role. Yeah. Yeah, because we get concerned about upsetting people and that's just not a female thing. I hear that a lot in males as well. But there's often that tendency to think, well, I don't want to upset somebody. So yeah. one of the big um, messages, I suppose, in a lot of the work I do too, which is espoused by people like Brené Brown and Kim Scott, is that being clear is actually being kind. Yes. It's when you don't let people know how they're tracking. It's actually yeah. not kind in the long run. Yeah. So you can learn to be kind and be clear at the same time. There's yeah. skills that you can absolutely develop in that space. And the same goes for clients and stakeholders, I must say too. You know, I run my own business also. So all of those skills that apply to leadership often translate into dealing with clients or stakeholders around oh. setting expectations or asking the right questions or really listening to understand what it is that's going on for them so you can solve the right problems for them. Yeah. We're all just people at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm a bit of a psychologist nerd, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> so uh, a lot of it comes back to that. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the same. Like, and in, when I was in people leadership, we did a lot of, you know, human behaviour stuff. You know, mm. we did disc profiling and all that stuff. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, I've been doing that stuff for decades as well. And it is like, you know, understanding people is essentially yeah, at the core of what you need to do to lead people is you need to be able to understand them. Um, yeah, and there's almost like there are some common things about all humans that you can learn to understand 
Yes. Like how, you know, how we're wired and how we respond to certain situations in general. But then there's all the nuances, isn't there, around different styles and personalities and motives and drivers, which, you know, which I often weave into a lot of my stuff around career and development is how do you understand what your people actually want and what what makes them excited to come to work every day and then tap into that. And then some people are going to be naturally more, um, some people are going to be naturally you know, good at specific certain things and some people aren't and, you know, yeah. how, to, how to leverage off that. Like I know if I refer back to disc profiling, like I'm I'm not like a um, an analyzer. Like mm-hmm. even though I worked in a bank for a long time, most of the stuff I did in there was all people leadership and, um, mm. you know, specialist sales and stuff like that. But, you know, in terms of analyzing data or doing book work, and so I, just, I just find that so boring. So, like, mm-hmm. I know when I have someone on my team, I need someone that's good at the mundane tasks so that mm-hmm. I have the space to be creative. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, but it's knowing that too. Like, it's knowing that about yourself. It's knowing yes. that about your team so that you get the right mix of people and that, um, you know, and I think too, some, you know, it's important to note that as a leader, we aren't perfect at everything. It's still good no. to have people on your team that are an expert at something that you're just not good at. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, I mean, that probably comes back to one of the other big skills in a sense that underpins everything, which is self-awareness, like understanding yeah. what's happening within you and how you operate and how you tend to yeah. think and behave and what you enjoy and all that sort of stuff, but then also how you impact on others. Yeah. So there's sort of, and interestingly, again, nerdy stuff, but there's no correlation between the two. Like you can be really self-aware of your own stuff internally, but have no idea how you're landing with others or vice versa. <laughs> so yeah. I find that really interesting as well. Yeah. So yeah, you're uh, right. So I, you know I could talk about all that psychology stuff all day. Oh. <laughs> like it just, yeah, there's so so many layers to it. But we're gonna get into like about three to four um really key core qualities mm-hmm. that um are important to have in a leader. And I think it's important to note that, you know, we were talking online, like by email before this episode that, you know, there's, these are just a few core qualities that I've kind of picked out that I think that my audience would resonate with, but there are other qualities as well that we need to develop as leaders. And we've kind of touched a little bit on that already. Um, But we'll, we'll get stuck into that because I think it's definitely going to be, you know, quite, granular and clear for people that are listening to this going okay well what are the skills that I need right like mm. what are a few things that I can kind of start to develop or look to where I can find how to develop these sort of skills so um what what is like what would you say is like one of the core skills that leaders need I would probably say listening is one that I think is underdeveloped in the sense that a lot of leaders aren't taught how to do it they're just expected to do it so probably yeah listening and when I say listening I don't mean just listening to reply I kind of mean listening to understand or to really see where people are coming from or to figure out how you can be more open and curious and just essentially to understand really rather than reply which is what most of us do right (laughs) yeah and that's actually one of my favorite sayings is don't listen to respond listen to understand Mm. and it's like even in your own conversations with friends or people in general you can tell when someone's listening because they want to have the next word Mm -hmm. or they want to have say the next thing they're not listening to really effectively listen to what you're saying and the your tone and how it's affecting you and you know what's Mm -hmm. your 
you know, your mannerisms at that time, you know, all those sort of things that come into effective listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's it. One, one of the clients said to me, which a lot of people do, we've got two ears and one mouth <laughs> for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And often we talk about that as um, internal listening. There's lots of different sort of models and frameworks, I suppose, but internal listening. So you're listening, but really you just tuned on to what's happening inside you, yes, <laughs> ready to yeah. share your next bit, yes. whatever your experience was. Or yeah. And sometimes I'll talk about that as hijacking the conversation. And just yeah. to kind of put that little bit of extra emphasis on how it might feel to the other person, they're talking about something and then suddenly it's about you. And it's never intentional. That's one thing I would say. It's often just a way of relating or connecting. Like it's a natural thing we do to sort of show that we understand, but yeah. we inadvertently make it about us instead of the other person a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And a hundred percent. And it is, like you said, a lot of it's not in, intentionally got bad no. intentions behind it. We're just particularly women, we love to talk and we get mm-hmm. sometimes if you've been looking after children all day or doing a lot of the home sort of stuff and you get around adults, I know me and my girlfriends, we just get so excited sometimes <laughs> to be talking yes. with adults together and it's like you get so excited, it kind of gets a bit fever pitch, everyone's putting their opinions in. But, mm-hmm. in you know, in terms of leading people, that's not effective long-term. Like you've got to know how to really listen and sometimes too listening is about being comfortable with a bit of silence yes actually that's another great point I often talk about that in some of my workshops where I will I'll actually say something like this you know one of the greatest tools at your disposal is silence and then I leave that little period of silence yeah, <laughs> yeah, longer yeah. than that just to watch everybody go oh this is kind of awkward because we have that natural tendency to jump in and fill that gap and especially if you're a bit of a chatterbox which I am too I'm quite a chatterbox I have to consciously put my listening hat on (laughs) um so yeah people aren't comfortable with that because it feels weird and they just fill the gap when honestly it is one of the best tools often if you just stay quiet especially if you're watching the other person like I'm watching you on the screen now and I can see you're looking at me on the screen but if I notice that your eyes are looking somewhere else like looking up or down or around to the side it usually means the person is still thinking yes and if you just stay silent for a little bit longer they'll say something else So you're giving them more airspace, if you like, or opportunity to finish their thought and then share that back with you. And then often they'll look back at you and that's a good cue to start talking again because it's kind of that signal, which you mentioned earlier too, signals like watching people's nonverbals can be really, really valuable as well. So, yeah, you're you're spot on. It's just sometimes it's unintentional and it's just through what I call (laughs) over-enthusiasm, really. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and it's... um... And it's just little simple things. I think like particularly if you're asking someone a question, sometimes they're just not prepared for the answer. Mm -hmm. So you've got to Mm -hmm. give them the space to think about it and come back. And, you know, if a little bit too much time goes on, I normally just say to people, do you need more time or we'll come back to it sort of thing. Like you don't have to fill the space with the answer. It's okay to let them come to the answer Mm-hmm. themselves and like you said look at those non-verbal cues because if they're looking around or they're kind of you know like I kind of I'll kind of you know rub my chin or things like that when I'm <laughs> thinking about things um and you know what are those cues and if you work with people closely like when I used to manage a team um particularly if it was a small team I would know if we we're in mm. a meeting and I would you know put someone on the spot I could tell when they were think like if they were thinking or they were uncomfortable because I could tell mm-hmm. what that body language was yeah yeah and that's it that's a really important point too I'm actually running a listening program at the moment with a client where we're kind of taking a 
drip feed module by module approach to leveling up their listening is what it's called. And last week I ran a session around nonverbals, exactly that. And we talked about what they often talk about. One of the um, top sort of nonverbal communication experts, if you like, talks about a really simple way to look at it is are they showing signs of comfort or discomfort? Simple as that. Does someone look comfortable or uncomfortable? But to know that, you have to know the baseline. So you have to know people's kind of normal signals to be able to notice the shifts or the differences, which is often when something's happened internally, hasn't it? Like they've had a thought or a feeling or an emotion or something's come up that's led them to shift in some way. And that's where you can think, well, something's going on there and get curious about what that was. And to your point around um, not answering the question straight away, that's another piece, isn't it, around knowing your team members. So some people don't like to think aloud in a conversation. They process no. afterwards. You know, they've yeah. got that more classic introverted way of examining information. They like to think and process and reflect and then come back. And so when you jump in, you miss that person's input or if you don't come back to it or make it safe for people to say, actually, on that point earlier, I just thought of something else that I wanted to add, then you kind of lose that contribution. Yeah. Which is what a lot of listening's about, isn't it? Like, you know, you need to give out the benefits. It's it's understanding, but it's also getting the best out of people. It's creating space for everyone's contributions to be put into the pool, if you like, mm. so that you get the most out of the people in the room or else what's the point? <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, really that, you know, with listening, you know, listening if effectively to people, it, it is mm. about giving them the space to have the best contribution possible. Um, yeah in you know whatever way that looks for them um, yeah, yeah exactly and I often teach um, some of the really basic skills that again I just don't think they get taught it's sort of expected that leaders will be good at this stuff even yeah. though no one's explicitly taught that and I was explicitly taught that so early in my training as a psych I did lifeline counseling and I did a whole of seven months worth of training and we literally got taught paraphrasing, reflecting, summarising, you know, learning emotion words so we could share that back. Like really listening and reflecting back is pretty much the crux of it. It was obviously a little bit more nuanced than that. But really as a lifeline counsellor, that's part of your job. So I got explicitly taught those skills really early on and probably only now much further down the career path that I sort of realised how beneficial they were in all of the work that I've done always, you know, and how, I don't know, just how valuable that was. Yeah. So, again, people don't get taught that unless they go do a course on listening, which I have not seen many of those offered. No, (laughs) no, there's there's not a lot of stuff like that. There is, like, I've done... part of a social work degree and one of those was I think I think it was communication was one of the um, components of it and um, obviously for that sort of job and like like you said all that stuff about you know, the paraphrasing and all that stuff they go so in depth into mm-hmm. listening skills but um, there's not a lot out there for the everyday leader as such nice. to really hone in their listening skills but it is like really a foundational skill is that art of really effectively listening. Yeah. yeah, and I do think it's an art. That's actually kind of the last yeah. module in my program with my my group at the moment. We'll have some follow-up sort of practice sessions, if you like. But um, talking about exactly that, it is a bit of an art, isn't it? Because it's about really tuning in to be able to figure out what to do next, like which little skill to try. So open questions, for example, is another really cool thing that a lot of people aren't taught. And if they learn mm. coaching, they'll often get taught how to ask good open questions. That's definitely, you know, something that's a bit more out there in the world. But there's an art to that too, like knowing why you're asking a certain question. Are you asking to understand or are you asking to surface something that might not have been said out loud or are you asking to 
figure out what you don't know or, you know, just develop more insight just to make them feel heard, like <laughs> being kind of intentional, I suppose, around yeah. that. It's, again, not something that people often consciously apply. I think you do find people who are naturally good at it or they've figured out that it works. Yeah. So they often, in a lot of the sessions I run, for example, they'll realise, oh, I actually do do a lot of paraphrasing and reflecting, but I've never consciously thought about it. It's just something yeah. I've picked up. Yeah, or they've seen it of, done well. Yeah. It's just part of how they but, communicate. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would say too around the listening piece too that I love exploring because people find this really interesting is just tuning into what gets in the way for you. And again, this is the psychologist coming out, but we have this inner dialogue that goes on in our heads about all sorts of things. <laughs> and our inner dialogue is very much often about what could go wrong or what we're worried about. You know, that's just how we're wired as humans, right, to focus on negatives and to try and feel safe and predict how things are going to go because uncertainty is not something our brains really like. So learning to tune into that and just figure out what is happening for me and I give people a bit of a framework, if you like, around those different barriers. Yes. So, for example, trying to fix everything or save everything or when you go yes. into analytical mode right away yes. and start solving the problem before you actually know what the problem really is. Yes, <laughs> or, yes, yes. You know, the, the, you know, the me channel where you do start talking about your experience often just to connect, but, again, you've taken it off the other person. Or, yes, yes. Yeah, there's, yes. and, Taking you know, often. away from them, yeah. Yeah, most people have experienced that and everybody does it. It's very just human. It's just but being aware of that and thinking, oh, there goes that thought pattern again that I often have. I'll just sort of put it in my pocket, one of my clients used to say, <laughs> mentally put it in my pocket and tune back into the person in front of me. That's the skill, isn't it, learning yeah. to notice that and yeah. put it aside. And um, I think that like just in wrapping up the thing about listening is that if you're not like really focused on really tuning in to what that person's saying, verbal, nonverbal, any of those things, and you go to try and solve the problem or step in, you often don't, you will not get to the actual root cause mm. of mm -hmm. what's going on, particularly if you're talking about a challenge or um, whatnot. And, you know, for those coaches and mentors out there, if you're, if you're a coach or a mentor and you're trying to lead someone and you're trying to help them, you know, break through and improve something, oftentimes you've got to get to the root cause of what's affecting them yeah. and what's limiting them in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if you keep, you know, just, oh, is, you know, is, is this the issue or is that the issue? You know, you're asking them, you know, you're giving them answers. You're not actually allowing them the space to come out with or explore what the root cause of the, of the actual thing is so that then you mm -hmm. can work on that. Because oftentimes the stuff at the surface level people tell you is just that at surface level. It's and a you, symptom. Yeah, yeah, you've got to, yeah, you've got to like kind of wade through those symptoms to get to the actual mm -hmm. cause and then mm -hmm. you can work on the cause. Um, yeah. And if you don't hone those listening skills as a leader, you can often be missing out on the really meaty stuff that you need to be working on with your people. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely agree. And I can't tell you how many times that's come up in, say, a coaching session where somebody will share with me a problem and they'll be talking almost like a content level, like something that's happening in the environment or whatever. Yeah. And then the more we dig in and the more I'll use coaching skills and listening skills to kind of dig in a little bit deeper, it's actually a massive relationship issue, for example. Yes. So, and I do a lot of stuff around challenging conversations as well. And one of the big things is like, what is the core of the issue that is really here? So when you dig in, they'll say, oh, somebody's not giving me the information I need or they won't do this thing, that I, whatever it is. But often it's actually something around trust or yep. a deeper issue that's there. Yep. So again, 
that that in itself, like helping people realise that, often empowers them to then think, well, how do I start to solve this problem for myself rather than expecting, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard of one of my favourite authors is Michael Bungay-Stenia. He writes books around coaching and so on, and he's got a book called The Advice Trap and a book called The Coaching Habit. He's Australian. He's very entertaining in how he talks about things, but he talks about the problem that you just explained that when you jump into advice mode, Usually your advice isn't as good as you think it is and you're actually solving the wrong problem because you haven't scratched the surface or you just scratched the surface. So, yeah, yeah, he does it in a very funny, humorous kind of way, (laughs) which is good. good, They're they're books that I would definitely recommend as resources for anyone. Yeah, cool. I'll have to get those. um, Once we're finished, I'll have to get the names of those and put them them in the show notes for everyone. Um, And it's like just, and I'm going to wrap up on listening now, but um, Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, you know, when I was first starting to learn, um, I started doing this stuff in my 20s. I'm in my 40s mm. now. But, um, you know, you can apply it to so many parts of your life. Like I've got a daughter who's 13. She's just finishing year seven. And, like, these skills are so transferable everywhere mm-hmm. in your life. And I'm so grateful that I've worked on those things because, like, when I'm listening to her, let's say she's come home, she's had a bad day. No, I'm fine. What's going on? She'll tell you some little thing that's happened in the day. And it's like, no, it's deeper than that, you know, and you just keep (laughs) listening and talking and listening and looking at the, you know, body language and all that stuff. And then, you know, a few hours later after you've had a few little chats here and there, then, then, then the real problem comes Mm -hmm. out and you go, okay, so this big thing happened, you had a fight with a friend or whatever, you know, so it wasn't actually about she didn't understand what was going on in in the maths class and that's why Mm. she had a bad result on her exam. It was because she had a fight with a friend that morning and it just totally threw her off kilter and they haven't, she hasn't been able to navigate that yet or, you know, whatever Um, is, you know, listening it's such a core skill for leaders but it's such a core skill for life I think you can transfer this in so many, so many different ways and it's so useful. Yeah. And actually, and I'll just say one more thing too, because I know you want to move on, but that's where the um, the skill around reflecting comes in, where you're reflecting back emotions or feelings that people are experiencing, because often people don't realise that themselves. So when you're listening really objectively and really tuning in and you say, so it sounds like you're feeling really frustrated or whatever it is back at them. Is that right? They say, oh, yeah, you're right. Like I hear that. Oh, absolutely. Like a little light bulb goes on for them. And what's happening for them is they think, oh, that's why I'm behaving this way or reacting that way or yeah. why this feels so important. So, you know, it's it's getting outside themselves and having somebody do that for them and hold back, you know, hold that space and reflect back, here's what I've heard. It's so powerful for the person yeah. in figuring out what's going on. So that, and I say that because that also applies to our kids. Yeah, <laughs> a nine-year-old friendships. And a 10-year-old. Or, yeah. 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 Whoever and, it is that you're, you know, communicating with, it just gives mm-hmm. you that such a robust way to communicate with people yeah 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 sure. absolutely agree I definitely apply it with husband children yes <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all absolutely. the things all the people all the yes people. um so when we you know when a lot of people think about leadership in, in you know we'll move on and talk about something else now they usually think about someone who teaches you something so it's like you're you're teaching them something you're keeping them accountable and mm. sometimes sometimes they might have that kind of more of a vision in their mind like I said before as a manager versus a leader and mm-hmm. particularly some people that have worked in you know very high 
high-paced corporate environments, there's a lot of micromanagement, like, you know, it's almost, yeah, like way too much micromanagement a lot of the time. <laughs> yes. um, and that's definitely more of a manager. That's mm-hmm. someone who's manage, you're managing the task of the people. You know, there's lots of tasks involved with leading people, right? That's mm-hmm. like the management part of it. Leadership is, you know, completely different because we're trying to, you know, lead people to show their true potential. So it's more than mm-hmm. just managing them. Um, so how does, you know, how does that translate, I guess, to, to leadership skills, that kind of manager versus leader? Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I I love that distinction. It's really interesting one for people to explore. And I think you do have to do a bit of management and leadership most of the time. You can't just oh, do management yeah, yeah, yeah. then things don't get done. Well, but but, there is a management part of leading people. Exactly. Like if you're yeah. leading a team, you've got to manage rosters and all that sort of stuff. So there is exactly. definitely a management component, but yes. that's not all it is. It's not all. No, no, that's. <laughs> And it's almost if you look at it from a skills perspective, that part's almost like around managing resources and coordinating people's time and effort to deliver the outcomes that you need, isn't it? That's more of the management, like coordinating resources is a good way to put it. And then leadership, though, I suppose is in terms of what you're talking about is also around growing and developing people, you know, helping them build their capability up. And if you think about it and you you know, from a skills perspective, it really does make your job a lot easier, <laughs> doesn't it? Oh. If you grow and develop people so that you don't have to do all the work yourself. And that's really that shift, I suppose, that people need to make in that sense around delivering through others rather than delivering themselves. Yeah. Translates into that coaching, developing, mentoring, growing, building capability, however you want to put it. Lots of places use different words. And I suppose it depends on the level of leadership that you're at as well. But from the very basic perspective, yeah, coaching and growing people, helping them build skills and experience and capability in things yeah, that they need to be able to do. Yeah, and, you know, and it, you know, it comes back to what we're, all that stuff we were talking about before with, with listening and, you know, tapping into, you know, what people are good at and what are their goals and all those sort of things. And developing people isn't giving them a list of things to do. Developing no. people is, you know, empowering them to be self-managed and mm-hmm. and to you know find out what makes them tick and develop the things that they're good at mm-hmm. um you know and and what are their goals and where do they want to go and you know yeah. it's going to be different for every person like when I used to manage a team in a bank you'd have some people that were like well I, this is the job I'm doing and I'm not doing any other job I don't no. do anything else you know mm-hmm. and I didn't that never bothered me because I was like oh well you need people like that in your team that are yeah. happy just to do that job and it was like okay well how can we help you be the best that you can be and play to your strengths in this you know in this mm-hmm. role and that sort of thing and then you're going to have people that want to grow and evolve and you know how do you you know, how do you do that as well? That's a whole They always thing. want to stretch, yeah, yes, and challenge yeah, yeah. themselves and be learning yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, and I think you've already mentioned that too. A lot of it just comes back to understanding what will, there's kind of a few factors, isn't there? There's what the business needs or you need yes. for the people in your team or your organisation or your, your business. And I think getting clear around that is actually something that a lot of people forget to do. Yeah. Like there's sort of that, again, we often just, we're running the business and then we suddenly have to explain to others <laughs> what's required. So getting, I think a really good step that is often overlooked is getting really clear around what success looks like. Yes. And again, this is going back to my training, I guess, as a psych and the sort of work that I do, but 
Often people don't think about it this way, but it can be really helpful to map it out into different categories. So what are the skills and capabilities that people need from a behavioural perspective? So that is things like project management or communication or influencing or um, detail orientation, like almost the behaviours that you need people to be able to do to do that job well. But then also what experience do they need? Like what do they need to have done and be exposed to? And then what is important in terms of motivation so that can help you to figure out whether it's a good fit um, and what knowledge do they need? And often when I run, for example, uh, workshops and training around career and development conversations, people really respond to breaking it down that way because if you think about how you develop those things, it's different. So if somebody needs experience doing something, then you need to find an opportunity for them to do the thing yeah. <laughs> to get the experience. Yeah. And often that will lead to them developing skills around certain things. But if somebody needs knowledge, well, how you give them that opportunity is completely different, isn't it? You can do some yeah. online training or go across to a course or you can mentor them around that. Again, does that make sense? Getting really clear around that distinction yeah. Yeah. is often the first piece to then think, well, how do I give them that opportunity. So a classic example, I suppose, is actually something like coaching and developing people or mentoring people. Often you have individuals who aren't in a position to do that very well because they don't have team members. But if you bear it back to actually I want to help them develop that skill in empowering and growing other people because that's what they're really motivated to do, you can look for chances for them to mentor their peers or to learn about something and then teach the rest of the team or teach you, <laughs> do that yeah. research and teach you. Yeah. So you're giving them an opportunity despite the fact that the role might not have that opportunity inherently in it. Yeah. Um, and similarly, yeah, so it comes back to those transferable skills, isn't it? Once you think about what the skill is that they want to develop, you can look for the opportunities to do that. And that's yeah. how you give them the chance to grow. Of course, coupled with some self-awareness and reflection and feedback yeah. on how they're going. And, yeah. and I suppose that's the other part that's often missing, isn't it, that people will have that very strong focus on developing others and but the approach will be I'll just throw them in and let them go yes <laughs> and again different people need different things but sometimes the bit that's missing is the feedback loop like here's yes. what you were setting out to achieve and what you were yeah. trying to do there yeah. hey let me tell you my view on how it went and how do you think it went and who else can we ask yeah. you know what yeah, other sources you. of feedback yeah can we yeah. tap into yeah and then that helps people be able to self-review themselves yeah well, that's right the as well I used to always call it shopping in their currency that's something I say about the kids too all the time with my with my team it was like what you know what are the what are they good at what do they like to do it's like okay well this mm. person they don't want to tell you anything at a team meeting they are not interested in talking in front of the team but they're really good at mm-hmm. organizing the stationery and then they can teach everyone else how to do it so yeah. off you go you can go do that and then yes. you love being in charge of the whiteboard and love the power of that. So you can present this thing at the yeah, team meeting exactly. and then oh, they own that. They're like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know? So And that's like taking us, sorry. No, I was just um, saying, so it's like <laughs> shopping in their currency. What do they like to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, I don't know, you, you'd probably be quite aware that there's a big movement towards strengths-based approaches to leadership as well. And that's exactly what that is. It's identifying people's strengths. And when I say strengths and what the real definition is, it's not just things that people are good at, but things that actually energise them, yeah. that they enjoy as well. And so the same, I've got an assistant who loves detail. I love detail in the sense that I want it to look perfect, but I don't love tweaking the PowerPoint elements or putting in the animations <laughs> or you know proofreading or formatting yeah and he loves that so I delegate that stuff to him and he loves making it perfect and me saying to him you know what that just saved me so much time and that and you so love not for me because to do, you love not I love it exactly I love focusing on the other things so yeah 
Yeah, that's it. And it's funny you mentioned micromanaging before because I do think sometimes there's a there's a continuum there, right, isn't there, between being involved, which I suppose is giving the feedback and the guidance and the direction, and being completely hands-off where you're fully empowering people and knowing what they need for different tasks, you know, or whatever it is they're working on growing is really important because I also see a lot of very hands-off leaders, which sounds like a good thing, but the person has no idea how they're tracking. So they're just floundering along, trying to get better at something or do something and thinking, I just I need, I don't know how I'm tracking. Am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? And if people don't have that certainty, that I tend to feel very safe and then they, you know, it causes a whole host of other problems. Yeah, agree. So, yeah. And that, that kind of leads into the next thing I wanted to ask is because when you're, when you're in, when you're in a leadership role in whatever capacity that is and however many people it is that you're leading, it might only be one or two people, it doesn't matter. It is. It can feel like a big task because you're mm. you're holding space for people. So that's one big part of it is you're holding the space for these people. And sometimes when you're in leadership, you can often feel like you become the counselor and the mm-hmm. meal planner and the expert on what's going on with their child and their latest cold or flu. Or yes. so, and also too, like holding space for what's going on in the workplace and what's ha- also happening maybe in their with, you know, things that they need to do for the business, how they're managing their workload. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's that holding space aspect, but then there's also to the overseeing everything that gets done. Mm-hmm. So there's a, you know, it can feel like a really big task to do all those things. So as a leader, how do you manage that? For your, like, what's the best way to manage that for yourself? Mm-hmm. And also, it's also too going to get the best out of your team. Gosh, I feel like that actually is a really big <laughs> set of things that fit into there. Um, I think if you lift it up and look at it from a more strategic level, it's kind of that distinction, isn't it, between working on the business or overseeing everything and having that strategic balcony view and looking at what's happening and then getting into the detail or putting a different hat on where you need it. So, you know, what can what needs to be done across all the work and then how can you delegate that across the people that you have in your team? And then even looking at that from the perspective of who needs more support. So who needs more help in terms of clarity or guidance, which yeah. is where the coaching comes back in or feedback, and who doesn't, who can just hit the ground running, in which case it's really just hands off, let them run with it, you know, yeah. give them a clear understanding of this is when I need it back and what good looks like and off they go. Yeah. Um, and I also talk with a lot of clients too, I suppose, and they often find this useful, is actually thinking about what hat you're wearing. Like, And I, this would appeal to no doubt some of the people in your audience who do mentoring and coaching and they're different things. Like mentoring is different to coaching, which is yes. different from advising, which is different to facilitating, which yes. is different to counselling, <laughs> which is different to. And so thinking almost mentally like which hat am I wearing right now can mm-hmm. be just a good way, I suppose, in yourself to to be conscious about it. So right now I'm wearing the counselling hat because this person has got a sick child and I just need to let them know I'm here for them and, you know, I'm supporting them versus right now I'm in growing people mode or I really need to empower this person. So I'm going to flip my approach and start asking different questions and getting them to solve things. I don't know if that answers your question. but it's um, Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that's a really good, you know, point to make is that, you know, when you're, when you're managing and leading a team, like there's a lot of, there is a lot of delegation and mm-hmm. um, there is that, you know, all that stuff that you have to do to kind of manage the tasks um, that have to be done. But it's um, for you to manage it. It's like, what is the hat that I have to wear right now? And you don't have to wear them all, all at once. No. Like just and recognizing that this is the one I have to have right now. 
So yes. and then you just you take that one off and you put the other one on. And it's like <laughs> yes. sometimes, like literally sometimes what I would do would I'd just be like, okay, I just need to go and have a few deep breaths. So I'd maybe go make a cup of tea and then I'd go and sit mm-hmm. back down at my desk and be like, all right, I'm putting this hat back on now. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that comes back to, doesn't it, the tuning in and figuring out what do people need right now because it's kind of, this is why leadership is so complex, right, because there are so many hats and often it feels like you're not doing anything very tangible. I see this a lot when I move to coaching leaders of leaders particularly because they're more distant from the work now, the actual doing and the delivering. So they feel like their time is not tangible, like I'm not actually doing anything, but you are. (laughs) You're growing and developing people. tasks. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And there's a lot of emotional load that comes along with that as as there is with raising kids and managing family and all of that as well. Um, So I've got one client, for example, who that has been a focus for the last few weeks is just thinking, what does this person need from me right now? Do they need clarity? Because they're like you can coach and coach and ask all the questions to try and empower somebody and let them figure it out. But if they actually have no idea, they're going to get stuck at some point. So do they need me to coach and ask questions and get them to figure it out themselves or do they need clarity because they're really looking anxious so they don't know how they're tracking and I need to give them a little bit of feedback to know, hey, you're on track or actually here's what I was looking for. Um, So, yeah, mentally switching that hat. So I think you're right. I think being tuned into it and having that, what you mentioned stepping away and taking a breath is almost mentally switching, like putting yourself back in the zone. So walking away as a leader or a person (laughs) dealing with all these different roles, just walking away and then coming thinking, right, this is what I'm switching into or what they need right now and just being constantly aware of that. And it's exhausting. It is. It (laughs) totally can be. um, I think you've, you've just got to find, you know, what's your little way of, being able to switch between those yes. different hats that you need to wear. Because as a leader, you do need to wear a few different hats. There's not just one hat that you wear. There's a number of different ones. Absolutely. And, you know, if you need to give someone personal space, that's very different to, you know, giving them a list of things that they need to do as tasks mm. and stuff. And we do have to put those different hats on. And, um, you know, in my time I've seen many leaders who are not very good at, the holding space part, but they're really good at the task orientated part and vice yes. versa. And um, you know, we're not all gonna we're not all gonna be good at all of it. Um mm-hmm. but just you know how do you switch you know, what are the things you need to do to switch between it? Like my thing was just taking a few deep breaths, go and get a cup of tea or a drink of water and then it'd be like, right, what hat do I need to put on now? And it was almost like a conscious choice. Like I was like, yes. right, I need to put this hat on now because I have to finish this thing. I can't live in that space anymore. And mm-hmm. that's chopping and changing. But you know, I think as women, we have to do that a lot at home and with our families as well. So <laughs> yes. it just gets exhausting when you have to do it in business and at work mm-hmm. and then at home. So we've also got to make sure we're looking after ourselves with self-care and everything yeah, as well. So that's that right. We don't burn out because it can be, like you said, it can definitely be exhausting. Well, it's um, the emotional energy, cognitive energy. And, and one more thing I might say, though, I think as well, is that when when you know what you're good at or not good at or what role you're stepping into, the other thing I would say is actually communicate that. Like be yeah. clear with your intentions. I do this in all of the work I do pretty much being clarifying your intentions. So if you're sitting in front of somebody, you know, saying to them, this is why I'm asking you about this or this is what I'm talking about. Like letting them know where you're coming from because often we have the best intentions and it's not understood by the other person. It can be misread. So one of the skills I often teach is from a book around difficult conversations called contrasting where you essentially say, I'm not trying to say this or this is not what I intend. Like whatever your intention is not, you kind of put that out there so it's not misread and say what I am saying or what this is about is X, Y, Z. And that's a really 
people love that skill. Like, honestly, of all the coaching and workshops, people are like, that's the kicker. That's the one that makes such a difference because then the other person gets where you're coming from. Yes. Because it's all yeah. in your head and so they don't always read it properly, especially on yeah. Zoom where it's harder to read yep. those things. They don't always read that. So just be explicit. Like yeah. right now, or if you're not sure what to do, right now I'm thinking that I'm not sure how to support you right now. Like can I just be here with you or what What do you need from yeah. me or is it okay if I just sit with you or, hey, I'm really conscious that this is happening right now and I just want to let you know X, Y, Z. Like just tell people. Yeah. Sounds really yeah, obvious but no. we don't do it because we're so in our own head worrying about what we're going to say next and what to do next. <laughs> well, we're worrying about we're, I think a lot of the time people are worrying about the role of being in charge or being the leader that we forget to just be human sometimes and go, look, I'm not an expert at this. I'm, I think this might be the problem. I don't want you to, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but, you know, this is my intention by what I'm about to say. This is, the, mm-hmm. you know, this is what I'm hoping will come from it. Um, but let's, you know, just being honest, let's work it out. Yeah. Let's figure it out, you know, and people, it's, people love it. because they yeah. just go, oh, okay, sweet. Okay. yeah showing your human side again it comes back to being human doesn't it yeah definitely now um you know all these sort of things are great when you know things are running smoothly Mm -hmm. um you know if if things are running smoothly and you can listen really well and you can coach and develop people and you can delegate things and you can empower people and you can make sure you're wearing all your hats and you're looking after yourself for self-care but um you know the last two years have really shown that (laughs) there are times when things just don't run to plan um, and that change happens and Mm -hmm. sometimes that change can be really murky and a lot of uncertainty, Mm -hmm. which is definitely what's happened this year, like navigating a lot of that stuff. Um, I just thought given the couple of years that we've had, I thought it would be cool to end on, you know, what are some of the things you can do as a leader when that happens? Because Mm -hmm. I know for me I've had to help clients navigate what's going on in a place where I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. No, like, none of us do. <laughs> they're like, I can't work. My business is closed. What do I do? And I'm like, mm. well, um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like, mm. <laughs> you know, so how do you navigate that as a leader? Because I'm sure everyone listening in that's have that has leadership in their, one of the things that they do as part of their business or their job is sitting here going, yep, I have definitely, Mm. there's been times in the last two years I have not known how to do this. No, no. And again, big topic, but how do you do it? Look, some of it we've probably tapped into. I think one of, if I think about all the change that I've seen and leaders trying to navigate change, COVID aside even, just with all the, you know, things like organisational changes or team changes, a lot of it comes back to giving people as much certainty as you can. That's one thing I think that people forget. Like there are, it, so you might not know what the future holds, but you can say, well, here's what I do know. I'll yes. share what I do know. And here's what I don't know. And this is what we're doing to figure that out or or how we're going to navigate forward. We're trying to look at this and understand that, like just being really explicit about that. And again, it sounds really obvious, but I think what happens a lot of times is that we'll communicate something once and then we think that's it, they get it now and forget that human experience of going through change and ambiguity is that as humans, we keep coming back to it (laughs) when there's more and more uncertainty that creates um, like a sense of fear, I guess, and anxiety and worry. And so once is not enough. And then you think about COVID as an example, there's been so much ongoing change, hasn't there? That uncertainty just, you know, again, it just comes and goes and comes and goes, but it's every single day. 
So, yeah, sorry, I'm trying to get back to really practical things, but I think one is just being clear about what you can be clear about because the other thing that often happens, whether that be with a team of one or a a huge team, is when people don't have that uncertainty and they think there's more that they don't know, their mind, because this is what our minds do, coming back to how we're wired, will just fill the void with a story, (laughs) fill the void with a hypothesis or, you know, for example, if you're running a business and you don't know what's going to happen with the business but you don't share anything, their mind will be full of all these, oh, this is probably going to happen. They're probably thinking about that. This is this yeah. what we do, right? Our brain doesn't yeah. like uncertainty, so it fills the space with stories to try and predict what's going to happen next. And they're just stories. They're just thoughts and emotions and a whole whirlwind of stuff. And so when you provide that bit of clarity, here's what I do know, or here's what's in our control and what's not in our control and here's yeah. what we can do going forward or the one thing we're going to work on because we've got certainty around that. It gives that certainty. Does it make sense? It kind of yeah. is just, I don't know, rec- recognising the human part, I suppose. So I often see leaders communicate about processes and tasks and changes, but they forget the human part, you know, the human yeah. experience of change where people are confused or uncertain or they're almost in denial about something shifting because they're scared, like underneath yeah. that, they're scared of what that means for them or what they have yeah. to do differently. Yeah, and so. I think like it's the last couple of years, I've not always known this to be true, but the last couple of years has definitely highlighted it, that in mm. times of uncertainty, people will cling to the things that they know to be certain. Yes. And, yes. Um, you know, whatever that is. So if you look at the last couple of years as an example, people, they haven't been able to run their businesses or they haven't been mm. able to go to work and their kids haven't been able to go to school and, we haven't had access to th- certain fundamental needs that mm. that we have in terms of healthcare and education and things like that. So we people have clung to whatever it is that they know to be certain mm-hmm. in their life. Like I know that I can go to Coles and buy these groceries. Like so, mm. if that becomes super important to them because it's the only thing or one of the only things that's been really certain right in their yes. life. So it's that whole. Focusing on what you can control, not the things you can't control or yes. the things that provide clarity in that moment. So it's like, you know, leading through change is, like you said, it's not just about the list and the tasks and the things you need to learn. Leading through change is about helping people navigate the uncertainty and providing mm-hmm. them clarity around the things that they can do and then supporting them while they navigate the things that they don't know about. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And even just, I don't know if you've come across that whole circles of control, circles of influence, you know, just drawing those circles for people and saying, look, this is what's, let's look at what's in our control, what's in your control and getting them to think through that and calling out and I guess acknowledging that the stuff outside your control is probably what you're going to be caught up with in your mind because, again, you don't like that certainty. Yeah. So there's some, I could talk for a while about this, but I, I know we probably don't have time, but there's some really good frameworks around the common common like social drivers that kind of kick in yes. for us at the psychological yeah. safety level as well. And they're often around our relationships and having autonomy and that certainty and our sort of relative standing, like a whole lot of things that are often shaken up during these times of change because all of that is just gone. And yeah. that's the stuff that we're wired to tune into, to feel yeah. safe from a... Yeah psychological perspective yeah so if you go back to the example of the person going to Coles it would be like people would be all up in arms because they didn't have a certain type of bread that they Mm -hmm. would usually be used to having or we didn't have the type of toilet paper because everyone was taking it and Mm -hmm. those things became (laughs) huge you know Mm -hmm. people were starting to hoard food because it was the only thing they had certainty about in that moment yes and as as a human 
when all those are all those other things that we had we'd lost certainty over, we started mm-hmm. to cling to the basic things. And that, that's just a really basic example of how you, when things are uncertain, you cling to the things that can give you certainty. So as a leader, it's about helping people navigate what they and have clarity around what they can do and then supporting mm. them through the rest of it. And I think also just tuning into what they are actually worried and fearful about because a lot yeah. of times when there's what you might call resistance to change, it's actually coming back to that whole human perspective that people feel like, well, I'm not sure how to be valuable. I'm not sure, like, if things are shifting, <clears throat> what does that mean for me and my role and how I contribute and whether or not I'm seen as valuable? Like, it often just comes back to fear oh, <laughs> uncertainty. 100%. So learning to tune into that and actually uncover that, that's probably the other key skill, which comes back to listening, asking questions, you know, tuning in, noticing how people are responding, digging a bit deeper, creating that space. So, again, it's back to full circle at the start. I think I mentioned communication, which sounds so simple, but it's actually all these other things, (laughs) isn't it, that we spoke about. All right. So it's been a such a great conversation today. Like I think, you know, it's been nearly an hour. I think I could talk for another hour <laughs> on all of this. Me to too. Be perfectly honest. Um, and I know that people, I know that people listening, that leadership is one of the qualities that they really want to, you know, grow, that this will have been really powerful for them because it, I think it's about putting tangibility around skills that sometimes can be a little bit intangible um, mm. and because they're not, you know, they're not necessarily something you learn from a flow chart, right? They're things you have no. to put into action um, to be able to hone those skills. So mm-hmm. I'd love you to finish up with um, two things. Is there anything else you want to add for the leaders out there who are listening? Just any final words? And where can we find you on the internet? Hmm. I think in terms of final words, and again, we've tapped on this, but there's probably just a piece in there around understanding what leadership looks like for you, like what's your authentic way of leading. And part of that is understanding what you are good at and what you might not be as good at so you can really be targeted in where you build skills and really focus your attention to get better at those bits. But also because even though you could say there's lots of core leadership skills, they're different from one business to the next, aren't they? So what does your business need and what do your people need? And just getting clear on that, and I again, this is the geeky organisational psych part of me, but often with clients it's about breaking that into actual behaviours, like what does that actually look like? What would I be doing and saying? Because that gives you a starting point to figure out, well, here's where I can develop or here's where my strengths are. I'm really good at that. That comes quite naturally. Um, And there's there's no right way of leadership, is it? You can almost define it as if people are following you, then that's suggesting that you've got some good leadership skills, but what does that look different in different places yeah like like anything there's some leaders that are really good at certain things and others that are really good at other things and it's about finding your own way like what's your what's your magic of leadership yeah what's the what are the things you're going to bring to it and that it's okay that you don't have to get all of it right like no no. (laughs) that's it and then build a few tools I think to mitigate the stuff where you might need to lean into it but you're not the strongest part so you've got almost like a toolkit you can pull out the right tool for the right scenario um and then yeah so hopefully that it's pretty broad but I think it's just when people reflect on this it's the first step really just taking the time to stop and think about it actually is the first step uh and then in terms of where people can find me so I my little business is called Flourishing Minds Consulting so that's the the kind of consulting arm of the business that I've always had and I also have just a website with my name which is lisamalloy.com 
spelt funny, (laughs) L-E-I-S-A. No, no, I I actually know a few Lisa's felt like that, so it didn't seem funny to me. (laughs) I know, I've only met a couple, more so now, but only a couple, Um, and one who's a colleague actually, so it's quite funny when we write, hi, Lisa, hi, Lisa, (laughs) spelt that way. Um, Yeah, and look, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and I'm always happy for people to reach out. I quite like chatting and can chat about these things for a while too. Awesome. And I'll put obviously all the links to these um, where you can find Lisa will be in the show notes for today's episode on the show notes page. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a great conversation. Like I said, I could have kept talking for another hour, but (laughs) um, (laughs) we have to wrap up podcast episodes at some point. So thank you so much for spending (laughs) your time. I know that everyone listening would have got so much out of it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. If you liked what you heard in your ears today, then I would love to connect with you over on Instagram. You can find me at, at Stacy Marie Coaching. Until then, stay classy.